bottom line is uh, we're in single elimination play right now. We're going to have to put everything into each and every game. It is great having the road to the Super Bowl going through Lambeau. That doesn't guarantee anything. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. You ever run a half marathon or an actual marathon, even better? You ever ran a marathon before? Or even depending on how good of a runner you are, have you ever ran four miles, five miles, six miles? Have you ever run a length, a distance that you never once thought you'd be able to run? Like a big, long run, right? And you reach, like, when you get a mile in or you get 10 minutes in, you reach that moment, that point where you think, oh, my God, what have I, what have I done? Like, what have I gotten myself into? I'm not even close. I'm not even beginning to sniff being done with this thing, whether it's a half marathon or a full or just a long run, something you've never done before. I know people who aren't runners train for a long time to run 5Ks, right? So think of the longest event you've ever had to run. And think of that that feeling, that thought process you get just a couple of minutes in where you're like, oh, boy. So that's how I'm feeling today about the Packers being on by. <laughs> and not playing this weekend because I'm starting to realize, oh boy, uh, we can't really talk about the Lions game because nothing in that game mattered. I don't really want to talk about the comeback of Bakhtiari and Zedaria Smith and Jair every day. So I'm now starting to realize, oh boy, uh, we have 13 miles to run. We need to fill two hours a night for the next two weeks before the next Packer game. And I, I'm just now starting to grasp the enormity of that task. I'm writing takes about college football and the national championship game, which was last night. I'm I'm starting to think about the Bucks and how we start to tackle that season and bring them into the fold more. So J- just so you know, I had a little bit of a moment today where I'm like, oh, God, we have we have what today and then three more days and then five next week. So eight and a half days now, eight and a half shows. So just over 16, 17, 18 hours we got to fill. Oh, boy. It's a big task, a lot of time to fill. That's okay. That means we can talk about some other things while we wait for the Packers to come back. And, of course, we're not going to ignore the Packers. We're not done with the Packers, but they're on a little bit of a break, so we'll work in some other topics. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, and I hope you are having an excellent day. A lot of different things we're going to hit tonight. Mike Clements is going to join us at 530. Um, We're going to talk, obviously, about some of those Packer topics I just mentioned, like where do we stand with the injuries, players coming back and maybe just maybe if I'm trying to guess maybe what Mike has in store for us maybe we're going to talk just a little bit about some year in review stuff big picture stuff right what did Rashawn Gary do how is he coming along in his development right talk about some of these young offensive linemen or AJ Dillon or just big picture stuff kind of looking at the year in review maybe celebrating I'm thinking maybe Mike might choose to go that route tonight or Thursday or at some point before we actually return to playoff action next week we don't even know the Packers next opponent yet So it's really hard to talk about specific game action. It's mostly big picture stuff. So I think injuries, maybe some year in review stuff. Mike Clements, our insider, our embedded reporter, he's a professional. Uh, He will join us at 530 as he does all the shows across the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I want to talk a little bit about the Bucs. We're going to hear a little bit from Matt LaFleur about those injuries today. We're going to talk about some members of Matt LaFleur's staff that are being sought after. They're being, they're being seeked. They're being, people are calling him. Like people are calling Nathaniel Hackett. 
and Luke Getze and other members of the Packers staff. We'll talk about that. I also want to talk about some of these other coaching decisions that teams have made. Not just the Vikings and not just the Bears with Nagy, but some of the other decisions, some surprising, some not. I want to do that because that's fun. It's fun to talk about other teams needing to replace their coach and going through organizational transition. It's really fun when it's other teams. So I want to talk about that coming up at 4.30. Send me a text, 608-796-2558. You can follow me on Twitter and tweet me during the show, at Wisco Grant. I built my night last night around the national championship game. I, I cleared it out. I told my friends, it's like, hey, I can do this and that for a little bit, but I, I need to watch this game. I can't miss it. It's the culminating event of one of our major sports. I know that the Badgers aren't playing. I know that there's not a Big Ten team playing, but I was intent last night on sitting down and watching this whole game, not missing anything, because this is a huge story, right? It's yes, it's the rematch of the SEC championship game, and I know a lot of you probably think, well, you know, screw Bama and George. I don't care about those teams. Yeah, well, honestly, I don't either, but I care about college football. I care about the American sports scene, and last night the American sports scene was an indie for the national title game. And I cleared out my night. And you have to clear out your night for the national title game because you, you know how this works. It starts 40 minutes late. Halftime is an hour long. And we got this Katy Perry performance. I'm still not sure what that was because I, I was at a bar and it was on mute. I watched the first half at a bar pretty close to my house. Neighborhood place. Low key so I could hear. We could see. But I'm like, what's, what is, is Katy Perry? A new song with Alessa? Is that what I saw? Get off to ask one of our music people in the building about that. Get their opinion on if it's any good. But. Halftime takes too long, and then the game goes until midnight, and it drags and drags and drags. And what's funny is I invested like four hours of my life into this game last night, and I'm not really sure what we have to show for it. I was hoping something crazy would happen, you know, controversy or something that's very salacious, something we could talk about today. And uh, I don't know what we have. Like this weekend, Mike Zimmer gets fired. We turn that into a life lesson. Great. Jordan Love plays a meaningless half of football. We use that as a jumping off point to talk about wide receiver depth, right? I can make chicken salad out of, you know what, like, give me any bit of content. I can blow it up, turn it into a discussion. Not really sure how we take Alabama, Georgia, and apply it to our teams or make it topical for this show, but I will try my best, and I think we can do 10 minutes on it, and because it was the biggest event in sports last night, I think we should start with Bama losing to Georgia 33-18. So Georgia gets the rematch. It was close through the first half, and then third quarter, fourth quarter, you're watching like, yes, okay, Georgia is the better team. This is what we've been hearing. This is what the numbers tell us. This is what the rankings, the recruiting, this is what all the experts say, that Georgia is better. And although we didn't see it in the SEC championship game, we saw it last night, final score 33-18. Georgia just was better. And congrats, that's cool. Nothing against Bama, but it's always cool to see a different team win it. I have a couple of takes. Number one, it's just cool to sit down and watch teams who have elite five-star players all over the field. Players who are quite literally built different. And I know that's an expression that's kind of become a joke and we throw it around to be funny, but these players are built different. I was watching highlights of Georgia's number 99. His name is Jordan Davis. He's 6'6", 340, and he's a defensive lineman. He runs like the wind. And I was reading about him a little bit today. He's a religion major, which is fascinating. I feel like I want to know more about this guy. It's not like I'm sitting at home putting together my draft board and ranking players and anything like that. It's just fun to watch games with players who are super high level and players who will one day play in the NFL. These are the best of the best. And sometimes, yeah, it bothers us. The SEC, they're all high and mighty. Well, 
They should be. Their conference is best. Their teams are best. And their players are best. And it's fun to watch those players. And that was a very redeeming quality of last night's game. And to be fair, the Iron Bowl and most games you watch with Bama and Georgia and now LSU, maybe under Brian Kelly, gets that back like they had it a couple of years ago. And Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin. These players are just awesome. And they're great. And they're fun to watch. Take number two. I also really like watching legendary coaches. They seem mythical, right? Like Nick Saban seems otherworldly. He doesn't seem like a normal Joe Blow, you know, pacing the sideline. You see him there and you're like, oh boy, that's Nick Saban. Or even Kirby Smart has a little vibe to him. He's got the visor and it, it's just, it's cool. When you see Nick Saban run out of the tunnel, there's a feel to it. Like I was thinking today of the scene in Infinity War when Thor shows up on Wakanda and it's like, oh God. And like every, like record scratch, the whole movie stops. Like when Nick Saban comes onto the field, you think, oh God, like that's Nick Saban who's larger than life. And it's cool to watch a game that has that infusion, right? I like this moment from Nick Saban after the game when before the players left the podium, he's like, hey, before these guys go back to the locker room, I just, I want to say something. Bryce and Will, thanks for your time. We'll let you head back to your locker room. I'd like to say something. Can I say something? Absolutely. You know, these two guys that are sitting up here, they're not defined by one game. These guys played great for us all year. They're great competitors. They were great leaders on this team. Uh, and they, 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 contributed tremendously to the success of this team and we would not be here without them all right and both of them take responsibility for the loss um but both of them contributed in a lot of ways in a positive way to giving us a chance to win and a chance to be here to have an opportunity to win so i just want to thank them for that and let everybody know how proud i am of these two guys normally i'd be kind of jaded towards something like that it's like well he lost so he's scoring some pr points he's coming across as the nice you know what i mean and i by all accounts, Nick Saban is, you know, he's not a hes not a jerk. He's gruff, and he's straightforward with the media, and I'm sure he gets on his players, but that's the life of a college football coach. Normally, I'm jaded towards moments like this because I think it's very performative, but I, I do think players at Alabama, especially like Bryce Young, the quarterback, they face unique challenges in that you could be one of the best players in the country. You can set records. You can get Heisman votes. You can be a first-round pick. You can be better than 99% of athletes. And more accomplished than 99% of people in the world. But if you're at Alabama and you come up short in the title game, you're a failure. And maybe Nick Saban's just trying to score points by having a moment like that. But also, I think he's saying, like, look, I am I am putting these kids in a tough spot because I'm so successful and the university's so successful. Expectations are so high that Bryce Young, who's one of the best players in college football this year, is going to be considered a failure and probably feels a little bit like a failure because we came up short against an amazing Georgia team in the last game of the year. Like, no, let's just let me give these guys some credit, right? Maybe he was doing it to score points, or maybe he was actually keeping that in mind that these players are in a tough spot. They could do amazing things and still be thought of as lesser because they lose in a national title game because expectations change everything, right? Maybe Nick Saban realized that, and maybe that's why he had that moment. I don't know. That's what I'd like to think. Maybe it was for cheap PR points, but... I like to look for the good in people. Have you never listened to the show before? I'm always trying to be positive, right? So my final point about this game, and this is where we bring our Badgers, our Wisconsin team into this. This is the Wisco Sports Show. This is what I want to spend the most time on. This is my takeaway from the game last night. Wisconsin ain't never winning a national title. And that sucks. And I'm sorry that I have to be the guy to say that. I know I just said I look for the positive and look for the best in people. This ain't like... There's no silver lining for the Badgers in a game like this. The Badgers aren't winning a national title, at least not in this era, 
at least with the way things are currently constructed, the coaches in the SEC, the power in the SEC, the way things are all set up, the Badgers aren't winning a national title. And if they expand the playoffs, they're still not winning a national They're not. They're not. And I feel for someone like Zach Heilprin or Ben Kenny or our Badgers experts, and we have a few and we're really lucky along the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network, who go on other radio shows around the state and around the country and they're guests on podcasts and they're asked, how do the Badgers get over the top? How do they take the next step to winning the Big Ten and winning national titles? And God bless Ben and Zach, for example, those two, because if someone asked me that, I'd say they're not gonna. And to quote Nick Saban, so quit asking, right? That's not in the cards for this team. And that's not because Paul Christ isn't good. It's not because Jim Leonard isn't the head coach. And it's not because Graham Mertz isn't the promised Messiah. Maybe he'll be really good. It's not set up college football for Wisconsin to win titles. Notre Dame and Michigan are elite programs. They're in the 95th percentile, or am I doing the 5th percentile? They're they're in the the best 5% of programs in the country. And they weren't even close this year. They got rocked, rocked down the stretch. And maybe that's why Jim Harbaugh, there's rumors to the NFL in the first place, is because he realized, damn, that was my best year ever, and we didn't even come close. I don't think Jim Harbaugh should leave Michigan. I think he should make that his legacy and just keep doing Michigan things because I think he's great there and I think he fits and I think fit is important and comfort is important. I think his family likes it there, whatever. That's not the point. College football isn't set up for Wisconsin to win titles. It's not even set up for Notre Dame and Michigan to come close. There were two teams that could compete at the highest level and it was Georgia and Bama and they split their season series between the SEC championship and the national championship game. Wisconsin ain't never winning a title. It's just not happening. And we love to think that if we expand the playoff, there'll be parity in college football, and we think, oh, if we just get this recruiting class. Parity in college football is a lie. The same way that we're all told that if we just work hard enough and apply ourselves, we can be Jeff Bezos. We can be Elon Musk, right? That's the American dream, right? If you work hard and you make your coffee at home and you eat ramen and you budget and you're smart, you can be rich too. Yes, you, you Wisconsin Badgers, you Iowa, you can, you just gotta be smart. And yes, I believe in the American dream and I believe if you apply yourself financially and make smart decisions and you invest, yeah, you can have a pontoon and you can use that in the summer. That's going to be great. And you can afford a Florida vacation in March. And yeah, and you can afford to send your kids to college. Yes, the American dream is real. And if you work hard, you can absolutely be successful. But you're not going to be Jeff Bezos. You're not going to be Elon Musk, right? That's not attainable. The same way that the Badgers winning a national title, even if they expand the playoffs, it's not attainable. It's not reality. Yes, the Badgers work really hard and they recruit really well and they get lucky and they have a good schedule and they stay healthy. You can go to the Rose Bowl and that's great. You're not winning a national title. Just like if you work your job for a long time and you put into your pension and you're, you're shrewd with your saving and you pay off all your debts and you budget strictly, you can buy a nice cabin in the Northwoods of Wisconsin or in upper Minnesota. That's great. You can have a second place to go on the weekends. That's great. Absolutely. That's in the cards. You can have the right coach at Wisconsin and you can recruit well and you can beat Ohio State in random years and you can go to the Rose Bowl, right? You can work two jobs. You can buy secondhand. You can invest wisely. You can be on the front lines of crypto and NFTs if that's your deal or whatever. And you know what? If you do all those things, you can end your life. You can retire early and you can buy a nice new Dodge Ram 1500 every couple of years and you can retire driving a bitchin' truck every couple of years because you earn that. You're not getting a yacht to cruise around the Mediterranean just because you follow Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, right? Like, you can be rich, you can be successful, but you're not that. You're not Zuckerberg, you're not Bezos, and as real as the American dream is, and I believe it's real, that's not, that's not happening. 
just the same way that if you recruit well, if Paul Chris is a good fit and they apply themselves and they, yeah, well, you're going to the Rose Bowl. You're going to the Outback Bowl, right? You're not winning a national title because you're not Georgia. You're not Bama. You're just not. And that's okay, Badgers fans. It sucks, but that doesn't mean we don't watch college football. Just because I can't afford a yacht one day doesn't mean that I don't throw a couple of dollars in my retirement every month. Parody in college football, as it pertains to the Badgers, is a lie in the same way that the American dream is a lie the way that we're told it. Don't hate on Bezos for being a tool. You could be him. No, you can't. No, you can't. Just like the Badgers aren't going to a national title. Let's take a break. If you have any text, you want to talk more about this, hit me up, 608-796-2558. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant as well. We can talk a little bit more about this and then move into the Packers in the next couple of minutes. A couple of updates on some injuries from Matt LaFleur and his plan to bring some of these guys back from injury without totally turning over the mojo momentum apple cart. All that coming up next in a few minutes here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, the phones are busted today testing before we started. I thought it was fixed and that's my bad. I'll be better, but you can still text me 608-796-2558. You can tweet me as well at Wisco Grant. Mike is going to join us at 530. I got a backup plan to talk to Mike. We don't leave Mike hanging. You don't take Mike for a ride anywhere, okay? If Mike says 530, I'm calling him at 530, even if I have to pull out an old landline from the closet and hold it up to the microphone. Trump below Chris texts in And I love the direction you're going, Chris. You're speaking my language. He says, I'm wondering what possibly losing the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach would do and how that would affect Rodgers staying or leaving Chris Trempolo. Thank you for the text. And I botched the way that you typed that. I apologize. I mean, you sound, made your words sound confusing. Basically, Chris wants to know if Nathaniel Hackett leaves or if Luke Getze leaves, what does that mean for Rodgers? Okay, cool. I want to get into the Packers. So let's get into this couple of housekeeping things and we can you know bs about college football and that's fun and we're going to talk about uh some of the other coaching decisions hiring and firings that's coming up next we're gonna hear a little bit from george mccaskey because it's funny he's just a weird dude and i just want to share you some sound bites because they're funny but i wouldn't be doing my job if we don't at least talk about some of these packers housekeeping things like trempolo chris mentions with coaching offers so there's requests for a couple of players or coaches on the packers staff So Nathaniel Hackett has head coaching interviews with Denver, Jacksonville, Chicago. So those are teams that are requesting to talk to him. So the Broncos, the Jags, and the Bears. Now quarterback coach Luke Getze also with a request from Denver. So they're really blanketing the Packers coaching staff, offensive coaching staff. And I saw (laughs) saw on Cowherd's show today because I saw the clip on Twitter. Cowherd was doing this take. And talking about, oh, what the Broncos are doing are really smart here. I don't know if you noticed, but they're targeting all these Packers coaches. This is a part of their mission to get Aaron Rodgers. You think, Cowherd? Like, how long did it take you to come up with that? Like, that's obvious. Like, I wasn't even going to talk about that today. I wasn't even going to sit down and for five minutes do a take. It's like, well, see, Denver is interviewing Hackett and Getzee because they're, this is all a ploy to get Rodgers. Of course it is. And any other brain sees that, right? So the Broncos, who don't have a quarterback... And that's been obviously problematic for them. They're bringing in candidates like the Packers offensive coordinator, like Aaron Rodgers quarterback coach. 
And maybe, just maybe, if they hire one of those guys or have them on staff, it's a more attractive destination for Aaron Rodgers. And that's that's what the Lakers did with LeBron, too. Stacking the deck, getting players that LeBron likes, getting coaches, right? You just grease the wheels a little bit. It's smart. Denver fired Vic Fangio, who's a defensive coordinator, defensive-minded head coach, and their CEO, Joe Ellis, said last week, they're just tired of losing seasons. They're tired of it. Okay, well, you can fire Vic Fangio if you don't get a good offensive mind and a good quarterback to rebuild that offense. Like, you're going to keep losing. You play in a division with Mahomes, Carr, and Herbert. Derek Carr is the third best quarterback in your division, and you're trying to go at it with Drew Locke? I don't care who Vic Fangio is coaching or what he's in charge of. I don't care who your head coach is. You're, you're not going to win. I think Nathaniel Hackett could be a good head coach. I, I don't know. I don't know. But let's pull up his Wikipedia because I want to make sure there's a part of his Nathaniel Hackett. I want to make sure there's part of his career I'm not forgetting about. I want to make sure I understand it because he came from Jacksonville. And when that happened, we we're all a little, eh, why do they want him? He's from the Jags. Well, you know, you got to be able to spot good coaches in bad situations. So, he assistant coach in college up Tampa Bay. So he was the offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills in 2013. Hung out. Run game wasn't great. Okay. Then he went to Jacksonville after 2014. So he was in Buffalo for a cup of coffee. Goes to the Jags. He's there as an offensive line and assistant head coach. Um, or no, Marone brought him in in that role. And then took over. Bradley left. Okay. And then he was hired for the Packers. So his career has been pretty short. Blake Bortles, so he was with Jacksonville for a couple of years, ends up in Green Bay. Okay, here's why I like Hackett, maybe more than I would say like Joe Philbin after 2011. Nathaniel Hackett's been around the league. He has experience in a couple of spots, but he's not some lifer that all of the sudden landed in a perfect situation, right? Like Joe Philbin was in a perfect spot in 2011. Joe Philbin is an offensive coordinator, lifer in the NFL, has been around a long time, been in good spots, bad spots, bounced around. And in 2011, he happened to end up in Green Bay when his quarterback was peaking, his offensive talent was peaking, the division around them wasn't any good, so they could just smoke teams in 2011, put up a ton of points, and Joe Philbin got a job. Pat Shermer's another good example. And of course, he gets hired by the Giants, who don't know what they're doing. And I'm not anti-Pat Shermer, but Pat Shermer, another offensive coordinator lifer his dad was in the league he's been around forever he finally ends up in a good situation and then he gets a head coaching job right Nathaniel Hackett isn't some dude who's just going through the motions for 20 years and then finally gets lucky and ends up in a perfect spot he's relatively young and it's not an age thing it's it's an experience thing I think there's a lot of maybe untapped potential in Nathaniel Hackett I don't know I think it'd be worth a shot for Denver. It's better than hiring some linebackers coach from New England, which is somebody else they're interviewing. It's better than hiring another defensive guy because that's not going to work, right? You need to change up what you're doing a little bit. Nathaniel Hackett maybe would be that for Denver. I don't know. Luke Getze, it's not very common for a quarterback coach to jump right to head coach, but that's what happened with Zach Taylor and Cincy. To mixed results, I think he started to figure it out more towards the end of the year, I think. Zach Taylor finally realized, oh, actually, all my best players are my quarterback and my wide receivers. Maybe I should get out of the way and just, like, let them throw. Maybe stop obsessing over Joe Mixon touches. And uh, who's their backup? Samaje Ryan. Like, maybe let's let those guys take the backseat. We'll let Joe Burrow and, and those studs on the outside do their thing. And then that worked really well. So I don't, I'm not sure. The book's a little bit out on Zach Taylor still, but I think he figured it out as the year went along. 
Would you hire Nathaniel Hackett? Vikings fans? Bears fans? You jumping at the idea of getting Nathaniel Hackett as your head coach? I do think Nathaniel Hackett is a complete personality 180 for Mike Zimmer. Nathaniel Hackett seems to be a little goofy, fun. And look, there's lots of different brands of coaches. You don't just want someone because he's fun to be around. It's not the NBA where players get their feelings hurt if they're told that they're dribbling wrong. Like the NFL, you still expect guys to coach. But Nathaniel Hackett's been really successful. He's been a part of the offense building itself up the last couple of years. It's not like he strolled into town and joined a really successful offense. They were 6-9-1 and one the year before Hackett got there with a brand new head coach. Nathaniel Hackett, complete personality, 180 from what Mike Zimmer was. He would be a bit of a personality, 180 from Vic Fangio, just because his personality, a little bit more mild, focused on the defense, not exactly a high-energy guy, although Vic Fangio's older. So much of head coaching and succeeding in head coaching, yes, is getting the X's and O's right, building a good offense, playing to your players' strengths, calling good plays, yes, all of, all of that is crucial. But head coaching is also about relationships. The game within the game is melding with your general manager and being on the same page. And if you're not on the same page, figuring out a way to work through it. That's what doomed Zimmer and Spielman. There is a world in which the Vikings succeed with Kirk Cousins, at least to a better degree that they did the last couple of years. But Zimmer never wanted Kirk Cousins, was never on board with Kirk Cousins, and never really appeared interested in meeting Spielman in the middle. Spielman, the GM that brought in Kirk Cousins, it doomed them both. Brian Flores, it's been reported, and I want to talk more about some of these other hires and fires in a couple of minutes, but Brian Flores didn't get along with a lot of the players, didn't get along with the GM or the owner. It's not that the product on the field was bad. He made the best out of some bad situations the last couple of years, but he didn't get along with people. And I think, based on everything I hear about Nathaniel Hackett, he gets along with people, his personality is great, and yeah, his offense under LaFleur has been pretty darn good too. So I don't know if he'll turn into a good coach, but I like Hackett more than I would like somebody else who would come from his mold, which is, hey, what's the best offense in the league? Who's the best team in the league? We're going to steal that guy's top assistant, right? Because there are degrees to that. Pat Shermer, eh, Joe Philbin, eh, Nathaniel Hackett. Mm, maybe there's some untapped potential there, and maybe he could really grow if given an expanded role. And we'll see. I want to talk more about some of these other coaching hires, some of these firings. Uh, and we do need to check in with Matt LaFleur a little bit about some of these injuries and his plan moving forward, how to acclimate these guys back in, like Bakhtiari and Myers and Zedaria Smith. So we'll talk more Packers coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show mike clemens will be here in an hour to update on some packers things injuries and matt lafleur and we got coaching requests for nathaniel hackett and luke getsy as we were just talking about before we keep going because i want to get this in before i forget i have an album recommendation uh i found a new grateful dead album that i've been spinning and it's topical for especially our madison audience dick's picks volume 18 it's the dane county coliseum 1978 it's March or February of 78. This is fun. It has a really good... I've just been trying to find um, Fire on the Mountain. I've just been combing through different versions of that, trying to find one. There's an awesome Fire on the Mountain. I think it's at the end of what, what would be the second disc, but if you're listening on Spotify, it doesn't matter. So Dick's Picks, volume, what did I say, 18, Dane County Coliseum, which I looked it up and I learned a little bit about it. That's just the Alliant Energy Center now. I didn't know it had been around that long. 
started in the 1800s as a spot for the Dane County Fair. How cool is that? So there we go. Little Madison history, Grateful Dead recommendation. There you go. An excellent Fire on the Mountain, which is the song I've been especially into these days. 608-796-2558. Mad Mike says, you are hilarious today. What got you there? Was it the rant about how the Badgers are never going to win a national title? (laughs) Has any of this been funny? I feel like some of the topics today have been depressing between the Badgers probably never winning a national title, certainly not with college football set up the way that it is now. And we're kind of lied to when we're told that parody is a thing the same way that we're lied to when you're like, hey, the American dream, you could be Jeff Bezos. No, no, we can't. No, we can't. Uh, We'd be wealthy. We could do well for ourselves. We can make a Rose Bowl, but we're not affording a yacht. Same way that the top 1% are. Sorry. So is that funny? Is that what made you laugh, Mad Mike? Or was it our offensive coordinator possibly leaving? Which I guess that's great for Hackett. That's something that should be celebrated. Absolutely. I want to talk about some of these coaching changes, of which we have a new one. I guess the Giants fired Joe Judge. Uh, today it was reported over our last segment, and I, obviously I'm not looking at Twitter, I'm talking. Um, it's just funny how that arc went. It went from, we're going to keep Joe Judge, he's our guy, and then the last couple weeks of the season went terribly, and then it looked like they were going to still keep him and even maybe allow him to help pick the next GM. And then at the 11th hour, they're like, actually, never mind, this guy's got to go, he sucks. <laughs> and he does. I don't want to talk a whole lot about Joe Judge. We talked about Mike Zimmer yesterday. His story is an interesting one. And that Mike Zimmer saw this coming years ago in 2018 at the Combine when they talked about Kirk Cousins being the new addition to the team. He was right. He said, hey, if this doesn't work, if we pick the wrong guy and we hitch our wagon to the wrong guy, and at that point they had just begun to hitch their wagon to Kirk, if this doesn't work, we're going to get fired. And eventually he did. Zimmer was right about everything. He thought Cousins would ruin his defense. He was right. He thought Kirk would piss him off. He was right. And that was before the pandy ever started, and that was a whole nother angle for which to Kirk, you know, could make Zimmer mad. He thought and stated explicitly in 2018, like I said, if it doesn't work with Kirk, I'm going to get fired. And he was right. He was right every step of the way. And he still got canned along with the GM that hired him. So life lesson for Mike Zimmer, ladies and gentlemen, life isn't always about being right. Just because you're right doesn't mean you're going to be successful. Life isn't always about being right. It's about getting it right. And Zimmer never really tried to get it right with Cousins. It's like he was the captain of the Titanic and he saw the iceberg coming a mile away and he was so upset because he told everyone else on the boat, we're going to hit that iceberg. If you guys don't listen to me, we're going to hit the iceberg. I never wanted to drive the ship in the first place. And he became so stuck in his righteousness that he just let the ship hit the iceberg without ever really trying to make an effort to steer to the side. Maybe they would hit the iceberg anyways. Maybe this was always going to fail with Kirk, but I can't say that Mike Zimmer really put his best effort into trying to make it work. He was too stuck about being right and not about getting it right. And that is a great life lesson we can learn from Mike Zimmer. Another coordinator or coach rather who was fired, Broncos fired Vic Fangio, who like Zimmer, longtime defensive-minded head coach. This was his first crack as it was Zimmer's first crack at being a head coach as well. Zimmer and Fangio worked a long time for this. I like Vic Fangio. I was hoping he would succeed. I think he's a victim of the structure of the NFL. He's a defensive guy, which means he's up against it from the jump. It's impossible to win consistently through defense. It's an inconsistent way to play football. You open the door to bad luck. You open the door to variance. You like you open yourself up to lose stupid games, as we saw with the Vikings this year. And as a defensive coordinator and a defensive head coach, it's tough to get good OCs because offensive coordinators know that if I come work for Fangio or I come work for Zimmer 
and things aren't going well, it's my head that's on the block, not theirs. And we saw that with Zimmer for years to the point where Zimmer struggled to get good offensive coordinators. They started with Norv Turner. That's that's the guy you want. And it didn't work with Norv, and they were on the outs. And then it didn't work with Filippo, and it didn't work with Stefanski to the point where the only guy who was willing to come and be the offensive coordinator for Zimmer was Clint Kubiak, who had very little experience. And maybe Clint Kubiak would be a great coach one day. I don't know, but it, it's not like they had the best available pick of their offensive coordinator. They had to settle for a newbie in Clint for a team that was supposed to win now, that had to win now. Fangio was also a victim of the Broncos and the division in which the Broncos play. Right after the Broncos lost their final game of the season to the uh, to the Chiefs on Saturday, you might have seen this game, Vic Fangio was asked, Hey, you've been really bad against the NFC West the last couple of years. Why is that? The last couple of years, only two division wins in that span. What do you think is separating this team from the rest of the AFC West? Well, I mean, those other three teams have top-shelf quarterbacks, okay, which is obvious to everybody. Um, We just need to get a little bit better. A lot of the games, you know, we had a good game against the Chargers here in the first time. Last week was the COVID game. Uh, we had a tough day, close game with the Raiders second time. Obviously, both games with the Chiefs, I think we're tight. You know, we're not quite there yet, but we're close. And I think the foundation is there for this franchise to close the gap and become more of a factor in this division. Which, by the way, I agree with Vic Fangio. I think the foundation is there. They're really talented. But Vic Fangio knows, how do you expect me to win games against Mahomes and Carr and Herbert? Those are six of our 17 games every year. And we have the inferior quarterback. You give me Drew Locke and you ask why I don't win games in the NFC West. And I actually thought like he answered that very, like, I don't think that was out of bounds. When Zimmer ripped Kellen Mond for seemingly no reason, like that was out of bounds. I don't think anything that Fangio said in there was out of bounds. He's like, well, those three teams have really good quarterbacks. That's obvious, right? He didn't dump on Drew Locke. It's not like Drew Locke wasn't even their starter coming into this year. They had Teddy Bridgewater. The Broncos in last year's draft could have taken Justin Fields or Mac Jones. Without trading up, they could have sticked and picked. And they took a cornerback. And Patrick Sertan looks like he will be great. But as we have seen, that doesn't really matter a whole lot. They had the 15th pick in 2020, and they took a wide receiver. It was great. We all like Jerry Judy. They used the 20th pick in 2019 on a tight end, Noah Fant, who we like. They got Javante Williams who a lot of people believe will be the best running back to come out of this draft. He looked great this year. Their offense still sucks because they don't have a quarterback. In 2018, they took Bradley Chubb two picks before they took Josh Allen. They wouldn't have had to trade up. They wouldn't have had to mortgage the future and sell the farm to jump up like the Rams did with Goff or to jump up and and, and get a quarterback like the Niners did with Trey Lance. They could have just stuck where they were and picked Justin Fields or Mac Jones. They didn't want to. In 2018, they could have just held tight or probably even traded down and taken Josh Allen, and they didn't. The Broncos can fire Vic Fangio. Go to town. It's their organization. They can do what they want. But don't expect different results if you throw your next coach out there to play against Derek Carr and Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes and you give him Drew Locke or Paxton Lynch or Trevor Simeon or Brock Osweiler or Teddy Bridgewater, or if you add Sam Darnold or Carson Wentz, it's not going to change. And at some point, like, you just you just need to try. You need to take a shot at a quarterback. 
You can try to perfect your roster and get that extra cornerback or that extra wide receiver, but at the end, none of it's going to matter if you don't have your quarterback. And the Broncos have been in a good spot to get a quarterback, and they've just passed. Guys who have worked. Josh Allen makes a ton of sense in Denver. Huge, strong, physical, can throw in the wind, can deal with the elements. All the same reasons Josh Allen works great in Buffalo, he works in Denver. And they said, nah, no thanks. We'll take Bradley Chubb, who's great. Edge rushers are great, but they don't mean anything if you don't have a quarterback. The Dolphins on Monday fired Brian Flores. Let's talk about that one for a few minutes before we take a break. This was a shocker to some and not a huge surprise to others. I'm not sure where I fell. I was surprised, but it's not like my jaw hit the floor. I think my favorite take on Brian Flores getting fired was actually from Big Cat. Pardon my take, Barstool, Dan Katz. I actually love this take. He tweeted, I think Brian Flores is a good coach, but there are people acting like the Dolphins just fired Vince Lombardi. And when I read that, I was like, oh, actually, that's a really good point. Like, Brian Flores is good. He's fine. I think he did a lot of good things, and he did those good things in tough circumstances. Didn't always have the best quarterback or the best roster, but he really uplifted what he had. But let's not act like they just fired Vince Lombardi here. This one really comes down to what you believe about the Dolphins. And whether you think the decision to fire Brian Flores is a good one or a bad one or just if you're indifferent, it really is a reflection of your opinion on the Dolphins and whether or not they're well-run. Right? Because if you think they're well-run and you think the Dolphins have it figured out, there's a line of logic to follow here, in my, in my opinion. Right? Sure. They almost made the playoffs this year, and they won seven in a row, but they also started the season by losing seven in a row. And the quarterbacks they beat over the winning streak were Tyrod Taylor, Lamar, Flacco, Cam, Glennon, Ian Book, and Zach Wilson. So, yeah, it's great. Oh, you rallied the team together and won seven in a row. Well, does that really mean anything, though? They're really a better team after that seven-game winning streak than they were after the seven-game losing streak. No, they're kind of the same team. So maybe Miami ignored results to a degree, and they said, eh, I know you won seven in a row and you did all these things, but we don't love the process. We don't love what we're seeing results aside. And what do I say on the show all the time? You can't judge things based on result alone. You need to look at the process because sometimes good process leads to bad result, and sometimes bad process leads to a good result. And if you're management and you're making decisions about hiring and firing and the direction of the team, you need to be able to look past results and pop the hood open and see what's really working and what's not. It's also worth mentioning, and this is a take that I feel very strongly about, most teams wait too long before making a move. Most teams will hang on to a head coach and GM years longer than they should. And it's not always the organization's fault. Let's look at the Packers. Knowing what we know now, wouldn't it have actually been the best decision for the Packers to move on from McCarthy and Thompson after 2014? They were never as good. The drafts were never as good. Free agency was never as good. Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers were never as good. Knowing what we know now, it actually would have made sense for the Packers just to cut bait after 2014, but you can't do that. You should have been in the Super Bowl, right? So that's not the Packers' fault. The Vikings, same thing with Zimmer and Spielman. I think it actually might have made sense for them to move off of maybe Zimmer, maybe not Spielman, but Zimmer after 2019. But they snuck into the playoffs and they won that damned game in the Superdome, right? So you held on a couple years too long. Organizations and, and decision makers always need to be sure about the coach that they're firing. Why do you think there's so many instances like Nagy or Zimmer or McCarthy where halfway through the year, you know, eh, this is, this is it for them. They're going to be done after this year. Because owners wait until there's no possible debate, which normally means you're wasting a season or two in there. And I think the Vikings wasted a season. I think the Packers probably wasted 2018 trying it one more time with McCarthy. 
Teams normally wait too long. So if the Dolphins long-term don't think Brian Flores is the guy, don't waste time. Cut bait. Yeah, the optics might not look great and you might surprise some people, but it's good business. It's also worth mentioning, to be fair to Brian Flores, I don't know if Tua is any good. I think he's fine. I don't know if he's good. I don't know if he's great. He's just, he's Tua. But I like the idea of an organization saying, yeah, I know it doesn't seem right right now, but we know this guy isn't the answer. We don't need to let this play out for two more years so we can go 500 twice. No, we're okay with doing it now. If you believe the Dolphins are well run, that's the line of thinking you can take. If you think the Dolphins are idiots, well, then they don't know what they're doing and forget everything I just said. Let's take a break. We'll talk more about this. And I want to talk about the Bears and what they got going on. That's coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Text me, 608-796-2558. Tweet me, at Wisco Grant. A couple of tweets here. Scott on the Prairie. Wow, Scott, you dressed up your Twitter handle a little bit. Says, is it out of bounds to hear how the Packers plan on keeping Aaron Rodgers after this season? Or has that subject run its course? I mean, I don't think it's run its course. We're not going to know anything new. It's not like Matt LaFleur is going to go to the podium before the division around and be like, well, before the season, we didn't tell you guys this, but we told Rodgers that we'll trade him after this year and we have to. So just so you know, like, they're not going to let us know. Um, if you mean money-wise, I mean, there's plans where they could do it. And then there's, you know... I mean, it just depends. There's a million variables. So it's not out of bounds to think about and talk about. I don't know what productive conversation I can lead here where we're going to make progress and learn more about how Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are going to handle the offseason. Jeff tweets in and says, I'm not buying the Zedaria Smith noise. He is selfish, wants a contract and a big one. Could have played this season. Has claimed to be ready four times. He is setting the stage to say, I've been ready. The Packers wouldn't clear me. Why would the Packers not clear him, though? If Zedaria Smith wants to play... Why would the Packers keep him from playing? Because if Zedaria Smith gets hurt again, it's not the Packers that lose money. It would be Zedaria Smith. So I don't know about that last part. He had back surgery. That's significant. I don't think there's any foul play here. And I guess if it comes out after the season that those two sides have been feuding and everything, okay, I'll eat that. I'm just, I'm tending to believe the simplest explanation here. He had back surgery. That's really a big deal. And I think that's what's going on. Maybe. Maybe there's something more at work here. Before we take a break, just for entertainment's sake, I want to hear a couple of sound bites from uh, George McCaskey. Because he gave a presser, and it's amazing. The Bears chairman and son of Virginia McCaskey. The bloodline of George Hallis. Uh, this was his explanation of his mother's summary on the season, and this is just cool. Um, at one point in our conversations, I asked her for her assessment of our season. And she said, as only a mother can, I'm very, very disappointed. (laughs) See, she probably did say that. But from a PR standpoint, can we, can we not? Like this Q&A about his accountability, McCaskey's accountability. Like how did, how did we okay this with the PR team? George, I'm referring to your, to your record as, as the chairman how accountable how are you accountable for the record that you have like you said it's a bottom line business wins and losses you know no playoff wins two winning seasons you know that's not a great record so how how are you accountable for it and 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 like i said does that is does that lend merit to the idea that that somebody else should be you know like a like like a bill polian type should be at the at the at the top 
Yeah, my performance is reviewed by ownership and the board of directors and ownership has informed me that uh, it wishes me to continue in this role. Thanks. I love the answer from the reporter at the end goes, thanks. Uh, so basically what McCaskey's saying is uh, the owner, uh, my mother, wishes me to continue, and the board of directors do as well. The board of directors, of course, are appointed by who's in top. It's their board. Uh, these, by the way, are the board members. Uh, Brian McCaskey, Ed McCaskey, Patrick McCaskey, and then there is Ted Phillips, who's the president CEO. That's another name that I knew. I don't know who Andrew McKenna is and Pat Ryan. I don't know who those two. But they're their board. They're the McCaskey's board. Oh, they want you to keep going? I wonder why. <laughs> this is maybe the most interesting part of the presser. It's a back and forth about fields. Uh, well, I think I've said before, I don't entertain hypothetical. Oh, hold on. The question is, does the new GM or the new coach need to like Justin Fields? Is that a prerequisite to hiring someone? Uh, well, I think I've said before, I don't entertain hypotheticals. Uh, we're interested in hearing what the candidates have to say about the development of the entire football organization um, and especially the quarterback position. We want to know uh, what their plan is to develop that position for us. David Hall? Well, just to follow up on that, because I think that's a critical question. I think what, what we're asking is, it's not a hypothetical. If the candidate, you're a fan and you say that you like what you see in Justin Fields, but if somebody who is a football person that you're interviewing, a head coach candidate or a GM, has reservations about his potential, does that potentially disqualify that person from getting a job with you? Well, I don't want to get into a sem semantics uh, debate with you, but you're... The first word of your question was if um, uh, that to me presents a hypothetical. Okay. And we don't know. I, uh, I actually I'm not siding with George McCaskey here. It's actually a good point. Like, hey, we want to bring in guys and we want to get their opinions on Justin Fields. Like we want to hear what they think. All of these guys who have coached and been around the league. So I, I guess in one point, I get where he's coming from. But in another, like he just said so much other dumb stuff. And maybe we'll circle back to it with Mike Clemens here in a bit. That I just, I can't, I can't take that guy seriously. Let's get an update from Zach Heilbrunn. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up in a few minutes. I'm, I'm not buying virtual real estate. I'm not doing this. I can't stop reading about this. This is legit. I thought the metaverse is just like, hey, you go in there and you meet your friends in this virtual bar and you just play songs and hang out. No, they're buying real estate. Oh, God, I hate it. Looks like this has been a thing for a couple of months, so I'm late to this party. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not a big NFT crypto. I, I realize what the deal is with crypto. I'm not mocking crypto or NFTs. If that's your thing, go off. Um, the people paying millions of dollars for virtual real estate. I can't afford actual real estate. I can't start divesting now into, into virtual real estate. God, no. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Mike Clemens in about 10 minutes. I started this hour by just sharing about myself as I normally do. I brought some chicken in for lunch today, but I didn't eat it when I thought I was going to eat it. So it kind of had this afternoon to just like, it's not cold. It's just room temperature, which is fine. Like it's, you know, it's only a day old. It was in the fridge all night. It's just been out this afternoon. Um, and I'm like, that should be good, right? I'm, I'm not going to get sick. And Tony in Sparta has the memory of a rat trap. Says, at least you didn't find the chicken in your front yard. When was that? How long, how long ago was that? Did, does everyone remember that story? 
when I came home and there was a Chick-fil-A bag in my yard and I texted my roommate and I said, why is there a Chick-fil-A in our front yard next to the street? And he says, oh, I left that for you. You're welcome. And then I ate it. And then he was like, I have no idea where that came from. I was completely messing with you. When I ate street chicken, this is better than the street chicken, Tony. Although what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and I am still kicking. And you know what? I haven't gotten COVID and I don't want to jinx it. Knock on wood. But who's to say street chicken maybe could be. Cure for COVID? Someone tell Ron Johnson. I'm sure he'd be sure he'd be all over it. Tweet me at Wisco Grant. A couple of Matt LaFleur things really quickly before we get to Mike Clemens. His plan for Zadarius Smith this week, just kind of laying it out. We'll see how he comes in on Wednesday, and if we can get him back out on the practice field, then we'll let him go. But I think, you know, I want to temper the expectations. Here's a guy that hasn't practiced since really before the New Orleans game. So we'll get him back out there and see how he looks, see what type of shape he's in, and, you know, if he progresses and, you know, checks all the boxes, then he'll be back out on the field. I love how he goes, here's a guy who hasn't practiced all season. Like, all right, now you're now you're becoming a pro. Here's his, uh, not rant, but his update on Bakhtiari and Josh Myers. Yeah, I thought David did an outstanding job. You know, he, he looked great. He moved well. Certainly, I think there's no substitute for football shape, and that takes time. But I thought he handled himself very well. You know, the, I would say David probably looked a little further along than Josh, but we're confident that Josh will get there. I think he's a, another guy that just, he's got to get back into football shape. So, conditioning is the question, and that's probably harder for Josh Myers because he's he's a rookie. Bakhtiari has years of experience, the ebbs and flow of a season, how his body's supposed to feel at this point in the season versus, you know, what's what's fatigue in week 18 versus, well, what's actually an injury, right? So Bakhtiari probably has a little bit better self-awareness for injury and what he's supposed to be feeling than Josh Myers. So it makes sense Myers is a little bit behind. Another guy who we should probably bring into this conversation is Lucas Patrick. Not because he's been hurt and he's coming back, But the return of Bakhtiari and or Josh Myers could impact the playing time for Lucas Patrick and his role. Maybe they move him elsewhere. Here's Lafleur on Lucas Patrick. He's a big time key piece for us. Just his ability to be flexible at any of those inside three positions, left guard, center, right guard. He is a guy that brings a certain level of energy and just aggressiveness to our offensive line. I'm sorry. I like the. Can I. I didn't hear any of that. I wasn't listening. Shoot. I was looking at the talk and text line because Zach and Eau Claire says, wasn't it Chipotle? That yard snack story was hilarious. And then Jason, Jason, I think you're right. Who tweeted in. He says it was actually noodles and company. Yes, it was noodles and company. And it was Buffalo. It was like a Buffalo chicken mac and cheese, which is why I had Chick-fil-A in my head. This is so stupid. Why? Like how long ago? This had to be months ago. How do you guys remember this? I don't remember what I talked about last week. For the, I mean, random stories like this. I remember sports takes. I, I was on the borderline of forgetting about the yard food story, the street chicken story. Yeah, it was Noodles and Company, right? Okay, uh, just for me. I'm sorry, not for you. You guys are dialed in. I am not. One more time, Lucas Patrick. He's a big-time key piece for us, just his ability to be flexible at any of those inside three positions, left guard, center, right guard. He is a guy that brings a certain level of energy and just aggressiveness to our offensive line. Likes his attitude, likes his personality, right? And he's versatile. We talked about this yesterday. Depth on the offensive line doesn't really mean much if the depth isn't versatile. Because you can't you can't have a quality backup for every position. You can have a couple quality backups, but not one for every single spot on the line. So to have Lucas Patrick and John Runyon Jr. 
or Yash Nyman, who's playing left tackle. You can't have five backups for all five positions. You need a couple backups, and they need to be versatile. Lucas Patrick is that. Finally, a really interesting question. I don't know that Matt LaFleur's answer was everything I hoped and dream of, but I'm glad someone brought this up to him. How do you maintain rhythm and continuity and momentum with this team that's playing really well while you bring guys back into the fold? Obviously, we want to get our best players out there, but ultimately, they got to know what to do. They got to bring great energy and effort on every play. We got to get these guys back into football shape. So that's what we're really going to focus on, I would say, over the course of the next two weeks is, again, trying to get the right 11 on the field and and making sure that we get every ounce of energy on, on every snap. The right 11 is an interesting concept because yesterday Aaron Rodgers talking about the offensive line, you know, we want our best five and our healthiest five, right? That's a balance that they have to find. That's a happy medium that they somehow have to discover, right? David Bakhtiari might be the best left tackle we have. Is he the healthiest? Josh Myers, probably the best center, but he's, is he the healthiest? And what does that mean for Lucas Patrick and his situation? So it's a tightrope that they have to walk. And there are all of these factors to weigh. It's not just who's best. It's also who's healthiest who's hot, who's playing well, and who's not. These are all factors they have to consider. You know who's always hot, who's always on his A-game? Mike Clements. We're going to talk to him in just a few minutes here. An update from Green Bay, what the coaches and the players are saying, but also his experience from Detroit on Sunday. Motor City Mike, Motown Mike. Let's talk with him coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Starts for Elton Jenkins now in there. So Bakhtiari, we'd assume his day is done on the fake. Rodgers has time. Let's it go. Lazard. He's got it. And then lost it and has it again for the touchdown. The catch, the bobble, the catch, and six. Let's talk about that crazy bobble because the slow-mo was nuts on your second touchdown. Were you worried it wasn't going to be ruled a catch, and how did you recover so well? No, I, I wasn't worried that it would be ruled incompletion at all because I knew once I like, kind of bobbled it, fumbled it, whatever, it was well after the fact that I'd already caught it, tucked it, rolled, and did some more after that. So I just wanted to ensure if they were to try to use it against me, that's why I kind of caught the ball towards the end and confirmed that it was a touchdown. It was a great throw. Al Lazard making dang sure that even if the ball moved around and even if it went up in the air, he's like, no, 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 I caught it. Even if it took a couple of extra seconds as he rolled into the end zone, Al Lazard on a heater. And that's something we've talked about last week, but we really hit on yesterday. Ever since the bye, this man has been on the tear. It's the Wisco Sports Show. We're now joined by our friend Mike Clements, who is in Detroit on Sunday. And obviously now, Mike, we got two weeks. We have a week until we know at least who the Packers are going to play period. So do you get a little extra time this week to relax? Is it a little bit more low key or or still pedal to the metal? Good question. None. Because, (laughs) you know, when you take a a bye week, you know, week 11 or something, um, you know, and hopefully you win uh, Monday, you go in, you look at the tape, uh, you know, check in with the trainer. And if you don't have any serious injuries, you know, these guys get on a plane to go to Cabo or something. Mm -hmm. It's the playoffs. The only thing different about this week is, these guys don't have to play in a game and get beat up on Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, um, they are they are all in, and they are working on their bodies. They are self scouting from Detroit or other things that happen during this season. They are you know scheming on plays. They are watching tape of four or five different teams that the most likely you know the the lowest seed that's going to come to Green Bay that's going to emerge from this weekend's round 
No, they're they're totally in. Okay. The only difference is they don't have to beat each other up. But Alan Lazard, you know, and in that game, he's emerged really as the Packers' number two yeah. receiver. The season starts out, and you would have thought it would be Devontae, who you know had a great season, and then MVS. But Marquez Valdez Scantling has that hamstring injury. Everybody saw him just in space and pull up lame. Missed a month, came back. You know, was trying to get things going a little bit. Then he had uh, COVID. Um, now he left the game uh, with a back injury. So I mean, right? And I don't know how bad that is. There was one other injury in Detroit on the turf, and that was Shandon Sullivan left mm-hmm. the defensive back nickel guy uh, in the second half. So you know, Lazard is a guy you got to count on now. You know, you lose this game to a team that ends up with a season with only three wins and does these trick plays. And Lazard said, well, what's the feeling right now in this locker room here in Detroit? I mean, what's in the players' minds? Is What was the most important thing to accomplish in this so-called meaningless game in Detroit against the Lions? The biggest thing was just for us to get, go out there and just to be able to play in rhythm. You know, I think we did a great job the first half coming out there with the starters and be able to kind of put some points up on the board. Um, just get into that rhythm, get into, you know, the play calling. You know, it's going to be another two weeks before we play a game again. So if we didn't play today, it would have been three weeks. I don't think anyone really wants to do that. We know what's at stake. You know, these past two years, we've come up one game short of, you know, our ultimate goal. So the big message is, you know, what are you willing to uh, to do to put yourself in a, in a better position to help this team out? Are you sacrificing your time? Are you putting the right efforts into your film and the practice and your recovery? And you get making sure you're staying on your sleep? Or are you more focused on what's going on on social media? All right. I, first of all, Mike, I just got to say off the top, Alan Lazard is awesome, and I like listening to him because his thoughts are always very well put together and he's well-spoken and he really kind of gives us a look into how players are thinking and how they're feeling. I just think it's the routine, right? And that's basically what Lazard was saying. Hey, just stay in the routine, get some reps, stay in rhythm, go through, you know, put the cleats on, put the helmet on, and just kind of stay in the thought process and the rhythm of a football season. That's what I took away from that. And personally, Alan Lazard is an undrafted guy Mm -hmm. who got cut once or twice by the Packers, came up through the practice crowd way, but now the spotlight's on him because he's getting everything out of his skill set his coordination, his physicality, his height. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, you know, now it's crunch time. And, you know, the more and more, some of these players are really talking more, being more open about uh, mental fatigue, about the pressure, about the spotlight being on. And, you know, you've got to have that confidence that you're going to make your catch, you're going to make your block, you're not going to muff the punt, uh, all those kinds of things. So Devante goes out there, gets his 21 yards to set the new franchise record for most yardage. And, you know, Devontae was asked the other day, what means more to you? More catches per season, more yards? He said, anybody can get, you know, catches. Mm-hmm. You can run out 10 bubble screens, big deal. He said it's the yards after the catch and, and you know, moving the ball downfield that he's most proud of. And so he was asked, did he reach out to Jordy Nelson, who he beat, surpassed for the franchise record um, after getting most yards in a season? He actually just texted me when I was walking in here right now, so I didn't want to rush it and uh, send him just anything, so i got to make sure I get something that's heartfelt for him. But uh, it feels great, man. Um, you know, just more so just like I say every every single time I, I talk about my stats, it's always about just holding myself to a certain standard to be able to come out here and, uh, you know, do my thing to ultimately win a football game. So obviously that didn't happen today, but we've been able to win a lot of games this year. So, you know, if I continue to rack them up and, 
and do my part, you know, puts us in a really good position. So that's what makes me feel best about um, going out and being able to get a record or, you know, have a successful game at any point. God, so that's funny. So Jordy reached out to Devontae Adams, huh? Like, I, I, I get that Jordy's a nice guy. I've always, in my mind, thought when Jordy was done with football, he's going back to Kansas, and I, like, maybe he keeps up with the Packers, but I don't see Jordy, like, staying dialed in and watching film and, like, staying in touch with these guys. That's never the read I had on Jordy. But then again, I've never met him. You would know a lot better than me. No, he keeps in contact with Rodgers as well and, and all those guys, but you know, he's he's moved on from football. That You're not going to see Jordy, you know, coaching in the NFL anytime soon. Yeah. So... <laughs> I thought this was interesting that Dan Campbell, you know, what do you say to this team that only had two wins, that lost some close games, that's had, you know, more than your fair share of injuries? I mean, they played that game, by the way, with both losing both their starting offensive tackles. Penny Sewell, the big rookie that they had, Mm -hmm. was just coming off the COVID list. He wasn't physically ready to play, you know, breath-wise. And then Taylor Decker was lost with a foot injury during the game. So that's what you lost to, man, you know. But so to get confidence and to get these guys flying around, they ran all these trick plays. The one that was in the first half was a 75-yarder where they handed off to 14, uh, Amonra St. Brown, the younger brother of Echoninius. Mm-hmm. And then he flipped it to a wide receiver, Tom Kennedy, who said, yeah, the last time I threw a pass was in a ninth-grade Pop Warner championship game. But – uh, Tom Kennedy, who threw that pass to Raymond, who was wide open down the right-hand side for a 75-yard touchdown in the first quarter, he was asked, how many times did you rep that razzle-dazzle play uh, uh, from receiver to receiver? Um, like three times maybe. Like one, uh, Wednesday and walked through, through it, like routes on there, and then Thursday in practice. But basically same formation, same motion, bringing it back, making it look like that play, that play. That play. And then he just kind of tossed it back to me. Khalif fakes the pitch, kind of just gets lost. And then uh, Josh Reynolds just kind of taking two, trying to grab the safety, get him out of there to open up the space. And it worked out really well. That was probably the best ball that I threw out of all of them. So. Hell of a name combo. Equinemius St. Brown versus Tom Kennedy, which is like the most basic name compared to the most complicated name ever. It's funny, Mike, because you asked Matt LaFleur a couple of weeks ago, uh, about those gotta-have-it plays on third and fourth down, the ones that you go to, the ones from the well, how many times do you actually have to rep a play before you're confident with it, right? And w- these days with limited reps, like he said, eh, th- you know, three, four times, that's not a lot. It is, uh, you know, and, you know, you do these things a lot uh, in the spring and then and then training camp, and, you know, LaFleur said the big thing is, is the walkthroughs, but you may be lucky to get, actually get that play in one time, yeah. full speed, to see how it goes. Yeah. And so, you know, Equinemia St. Brown, they picked up three, four years ago. He's had a history of injuries, got cut, come back. But he's still got all that talent. Smart kid, big kid with the hands. But his shorter, younger brother, who is a fourth-round pick out of USC, uh, Amonra St. Brown, uh, this guy has really come on. He ended up actually setting uh, the yardage record for a rookie receiver, for the Detroit Lions on Sunday. And a lot of these records, of course, being broken because it's week 17. It's the new 17-game regular season. But anyway, uh, we asked the the, the Lions, St. Brown, about Dan Campbell and his staff, how they've opened up the offense in the second half of the season. And you see that play, one of two or three fake uh, razzle-dazzle plays they did, the the fake punt, they 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 did a flea flicker to Jared Goff who threw to the tight end right later in the game. Uh, 
they ran that thing in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago, just a different version of it. Here's St. Brown from the Lions. Yeah, I think our coaches, I mean, they designed, I think, perfect plays. I mean, like you said, it was, we ran against Atlanta, we ran at that play where I come across, get that handoff twice. Um, so actually before that play that Tom Kennedy threw, um, I'm lined up and all I hear from the sideline is, 14's getting the ball coming across, 14's getting the ball, and I'm just smiling because I already know what's about to happen. So I get the ball, I mean, T, give it to TK, try to protect the edge of whatever I can, and TK just throws a dime to, to Khalif. So it was perfect. This team has fun, don't they, Mike? Like, you've been in, in these press availabilities, and you were a lot closer to this team. You were obviously at the game. This team, I don't know, they just play with a certain lightheartedness, and I guess when you don't have expectations on getting past the NFC Championship game and getting to a Super Bowl, right, that makes it easier, but... These guys just, it seems like they enjoy playing together despite being on a three-win team this season. Well, yeah, they and they, you know what? It's because Matt Patricia had so much bad stuff going on in there. <laughs> yeah, you know, I guess. You, you, you've got to make it fun for these guys in order to keep their interest because they're pretty sure of themselves as athletes. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the other question about Anonra St. Brown, who, by the way, you know, people say, well, maybe the Packers got the wrong St. Brown kid. They should have taken the younger brother. Yeah. He was a fourth-round pick out of USC. And last year, he came between two picks that the Packers took. In the third round, they took Amari Rogers, your punt returner, who's maybe his growth has been stunted by the presence of Randall Cobb this season. And then the next pick they took was Royce Newman, who's been your starting right guard. So, you know, I mean, Gudikin's got two fairly valuable players there. But, you know, number 14 for the Lions is really good. And was asked, so is there this rivalry with your big brother, Equinemius? And, and how proud are their parents yeah. who, you know, got one into Notre Dame, one into USC, moved around, you know, to, for their football life. How proud was it for them to sit in the stand Sunday and watch two of their sons in an NFL game? Yeah, I mean, it's a, I think for my parents, a dream come true for them. You know, the amount of work that they put in into us, you know, they took us across the country, different schools, visiting different colleges, spending a lot of money on us. And to finally have, you know, to see their kids out on, on the same field at the same time, I think it's just, you know, a dream come true for them, like I said. They're so happy for us. They're excited. Um, yeah, I mean, it's one and one the record right now, so we're even. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, I mean, he could probably say, yeah, we didn't play our starters or whatnot, but I don't want to hear that. It's... It's the league, it's the NFL, everyone's playing to win, so it's, it's one-to-one, and we're even right now. Yeah, I'm not too caught up in the Packers losing. I obviously want to win every game, but, I mean, to be petty and, and talk about, oh, the Packers weren't trying, that's why they lost. Eh, who cares? It was a fun game, and certainly a fun game for the St. Browns. Also very convenient, less travel for their parents. They only have to watch one game in one place. I bet they appreciated that, too. <laughs> about the loss... You know, they did take Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. and Devontae Adams and these players off the field in the second half. So, yeah. you know, you're disappointed that the energy was there on the Detroit side. Um, and and then there was a key moment there where the Lions had the ball back and, the, you know, it's like a three-point difference in the game. Jordan Love had actually, well, he gave them a, a lead in the game. And the Lions got the ball after one of the Love's first interception. Uh, and they're driving and Rasul Douglas is pulled off for a certain package, and he's on the sidelines. It's fourth quarter, and I'm watching him, and he's about to go in, and the coach is holding his shirt like, no, I don't want you to go back in. Yeah. And they sent in number 24, um, Isaac Yadam, the kid that they swapped with, the, you know, the Giants, mm-hmm. who's really been – Rasul Douglas replaced him when he was getting burned in a Bears game. And yep. Rasul Douglas came on became famous after that. 
Um, to me, then the very next play, the Lions saw that, and they ran a 14-yard touchdown run right to Yadam on the left-hand side for a touchdown. It's like, okay, Go you know, yeah. yeah, you're you're not playing for the win. You're looking, you're trying to give guys a break, and he lets you down. Yeah. David Bakhtiari got to play in this game. We got to talk to him for the first time in months. He said the plan was he'd hoped to be back from that ACL in his left outside knee, a left tackle, by Kansas City in October. And he practiced a couple of days, and all of a sudden the knee swelled up, filled with fluid. They had to drain it like a half a cup of fluid Ooh. a day or a week. Ooh. And so that's why he ended up having to go back in, have the knee scoped before he felt good about it. And then he didn't want to play in this game on Sunday on the turf at Ford Field. But Aaron Rodgers came to him and to Josh Myers, the rookie center, coming off a knee surgery and saying, look, I don't want you guys getting your first snaps in in the cold at Lambeau. Get some snaps in today. And so Bakhtiari took 27 snaps in the game, four, uh, um, four drives. And so we asked him. There was this rumor that Rodgers nudged him into playing some in the Lions game the way for the first playoff game. Was that true? Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> I got a text from Aaron. He said, I'd love for you to be out there. It mean a lot. I wasn't really planning on it. My goal was just to... For me, just practice is most important. Putting consecutive days of practice, knocking off the rest of practice. I've played in more than enough games. It doesn't, I played in a bunch of playoff games. That didn't really feel the need. Um, but when he texts me, I'm like, all right, see how it goes in practice. I liked how it was in practice. I'm like, you know what? Like I said, I didn't want to exactly be on turf. I'm like, let's, let's do it. Let's go have fun. I'm out there. And I think it was you know, more for him than uh, for me. I mean, I felt good. I liked, uh, I liked where my feet were. I liked where my hands were. Um, Get all things considered, uh, obviously some things to work on, some things to feel out, but I uh, was very pleased with my first you know, 20-something reps in over a year. That's interesting. I wouldn't, like, this is a story I missed this week, and I didn't know anything about this, Mike, that Rodgers, like, nudged him. I, I feel like that's how a horror story with an injury starts, right? He's like, well, we weren't going to play, but someone pushed me a little bit, and then, I, I don't know, I, I didn't know that story. I appreciate you sharing with that. That's interesting. And not only inside the locker room, you know, Dr. Rogers, yeah. <laughs> advising oh, these guys to get on the field, <laughs> but then you're watching that Sunday night football game, that thriller that goes into overtime, and the Raiders eliminate the Chargers, and Michelle Trefoya is down the field, and she's talking to Derek Carr. Now, Derek Carr was Devontae Adams' quarterback at Fresno State when they were in college, and so listen to this clip, you know, with Michelle Trefoya talking to the Raiders' Derek Carr after that win. Congratulations. This game had everything. Yep. How would you describe the emotions it brought out of you from beginning to end? How do you describe this? Um, you know, I'll have a lot of emotion later, probably. Um, there's been a lot of heartache, a lot of hard times, uh, a lot of fight, a lot of grit. We knew no matter what, we didn't want time. We wanted to win the football game. Obviously, my mindset all day, I even was texting with Aaron Rodgers this morning. Uh, this morning. Yeah, my mindset was to make sure that we were the only team moving on after this. What, what were you texting Aaron Rodgers about this? Him and I, he, he's always been good to me since I came into the league. So, Aaron, appreciate you, man. Uh, but we became friends now and we talked. So, uh, I appreciate his encouragement today. I don't think you can be the biggest jerk in the league and punish your, your team and your organization, your fan base the way he did. I, I think he's a bad guy. That, way to throw that in there at the end, Mike. Yeah, that was interesting, too. I was watching the post game and I hear Aaron Rodgers get a shout out from Derek Carr and it's an AFC West game so I did Rogers isn't in the front of my mind and I heard that and I turned I was like what the hell so yeah I guess Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers are boys that's interesting
<laughs> so coming off of Black Monday yesterday, the Bears fire Matt Nagy. Mike Zimmer's out, you know, uh, with Minnesota. Uh, Joe Judge uh, just got fired this afternoon from the Giants after Dave Gettleman, the GM in New York, stepped down. So people assumed that after, you know, three years of success, people are going to start going after Matt LaFleur's staff in Green Bay. And, uh, you know, Nathaniel Hackett, offensive coordinator who Aaron Rodgers has talked up, he's gotten uh, invites to talk to the Jaguars about their head coaching job. That's where he came from. He was the offensive coordinator in Jacksonville before he came to Green Bay. And he also has now been, uh, uh, there's a request for the Bears to talk to him. I don't know if the Packers will grant that because they're in the same division. And he's also got this invite to talk to the Denver Broncos. George Patton is the GM there. Of course, this goes back to the draft weekend rumors that Rodgers wanted out and go to Denver and that that former Vikings GM would, or, or staffer would love to bring in Rodgers. So now you wonder, the Broncos are now have asked to talk to both Nathaniel Hackett and to the, the Packers quarterback coach, Luke Getze. So I brought up this, you know, this isn't the first time that Hackett has been mentioned as a potential head coach candidate. There was a presser that we had earlier this year where because of COVID we weren't in the facility that day, but you get a text and say, hey, Rogers is going to talk in 15 minutes, you know, hop on for a Zoom call. Yeah. So I'm working, for, I'm working from home because it's like today, it's a Tuesday. I, you know, I live in the Milwaukee area. I drive back and forth to Green Bay. And so we're on the phone with Aaron Rodgers, and he's asked about Nathaniel Hackett, you know, would he make a good NFL coach? And something kind of embarrassing happened for me. <laughs> You've obviously talked about how much you appreciate him in the past. Why do you think he'd be a good head coach? Well, to my knowledge, he hasn't had the interview yet, but I, uh, I have talked with him. Uh, I think one of the – I don't know what that was. That was awesome, though. But I think one of the uh, – one of the prereqs to being a good head coach is presence in front of a room. You know, you have to have uh, the kind of innate charisma and ability to uh, captivate your audience. And part of that captivation is in the way you talk. I think those are underrated qualities that a coach can have. Nate has all those things. He's able to captivate uh, the audience, which is usually the offense. Anytime he gets up in, in his meetings uh, to have, uh, you know, beautiful wife and four kids and all the demands that being a father has on you and then to be able to bring it every single day at the facility is uh, very admirable. So he's been around football a long time. His dad, obviously, you know, one of the legendary coaches of this profession. So he has the pedigree, but his presence, you know, he brings such a great positive energy uh, to a room. And I think any team would be lucky to have him leading their squad. So, Mike, you're just listening to this answer. And it's a good one, by the way, Rogers. And I, as a radio host, I get it. If something, you know, catches your eye or you hear something in the background, it's really easy to get thrown off track. He stayed on topic, gave a great answer about why he likes Nathaniel Hackett, and your wife sneezing in the background, it didn't even phase him. Yeah, I know. I just, you know, <laughs> you're on these Zoom calls. I think a lot of people can relate to this. They've been on Zoom calls for their job and that kind of thing. It's just, you know, you can't get to the mute button fast enough. She's like three rooms away. She's really? over in the den. Then there's then there's the kit there's a kitchen dining room the kitchen which is all hardwood floors and then my little office which is you know in the back in the back quarter of the first floor and you know you can hear loud and clear here if you got that clip <laughs> yeah, I do to captivate I don't know what that was that was awesome though <laughs> see yeah. you got these big hardwood floors it's this real nice and the sneeze just the sound whistles through room to room that's amazing 
Yeah, you know, so I get off the press conference call and I walk into the den. She goes, what? I go, well, congratulations, you were just on the statewide network and Aaron <laughs> Rodgers was <laughs> commenting on your sneezing. <laughs> and, you know, she's all, got all red face and embarrassed. Like, well, how can that happen? Because, you know, I've told you, oh. you got to be quiet. I, you know, I'll try and close the door of the office, but that's, oh, you know, At least whatever. she wasn't, so, like, blasting music or something. At least it was at least an accidental sneeze. She picked up a guitar or something like that. That's funny. Oh so here the Broncos, you know, there's those rumors out there, mm-hmm. and then now they want to talk to Nathaniel Hackett, your offensive coordinator, and your quarterback coach, Luke Getze, you know, after they fired Vic Fangio. And there was all those rumors about, you know, that the Broncos want Rodgers. There's probably six teams that would like Aaron Rodgers, yeah. if not more. Uh, and that that's an AFC team. If the Packers ever did a deal, that's where they'd send them as the AFC, not some NFC team. So, you know, the Green Bay will have to, you know, those guys will do their interviews, probably the initial ones on Zoom, and, you know, they you have to make sure that that doesn't become a distraction mm-hmm. while you have this bye week of prep, and then this weekend find out who you're going to play at Lambeau a week from this weekend, you know, on Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, holy cats, Mike, I just saw the time. i got to run, but I want to talk more about this on Thursday. I'm excited to chat with you, and I promise I won't sneeze during our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Good plan. I'll have a black box of tissues. Thank you, Grant. Awesome. Yeah, have a good one, Mike. I appreciate you. Mike Clemens, NFL on Twitter. we got to take a break, or we're going to miss the end of the show. Wisco Sports Show, wrap it up after this.